This is Dee. Dee is a children's pastor now. Um, but we wanted to do a bit of a different service and tell you a story, uh, share Dee's story with you, because um, here's the thing. Jesus can find anybody. Okay. Come on, Kensington Temple. And wherever you are today, uh, Jesus loves you and he wants to find you. Dee, tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up, how you grew up, uh, what's your background? So I didn't grow up in the church. Okay. Um, I come from a Muslim background, uh, Middle Eastern origin. You said that really quickly. Uh, Muslim background. Muslim background. Okay, great. Middle Eastern origin. Okay. Uh, Practicing Muslim family. Um, my dad was practicing um, and yeah I grew up in West London um, so it's good to be back in West London actually yeah. but um, yeah I grew up in West London uh, grew up with quite a lot of trauma growing up um, and then yeah so that's basically how I grew up then as I got older I kind of uh, walked not walked away but kind of you know life gets in the way and you, you look for other things and I sort of looked into a bit into new age and whatever and start going through things in my life and it just I, I didn't necessarily stay on that path because you want to explore you want you have questions or the world shows you otherwise and then I came back and you know but essentially I would have always identified as a Muslim. Okay and um, as a Muslim how did you see God? What was God to you? Allah. So um, yeah I knew Allah's God. I didn't know any other God. I, why, I would, why would you question it? If you've been taught something your whole life as a child from, from birth until adulthood, you don't really tend to question it because that's what you're taught, I think, you know, for me anyways. Yeah. So I, I didn't have any reason to believe otherwise, but the God I knew wasn't, um, wasn't relatable. There was no relationship. There was no being a child of God. It was just, this is what you do. You strive to, to sort of climb this ladder and do these things and these rituals and, and you're just expected to, to perform. That's my, you know, that's my take on it. That's my feeling of it. It's like you're just expected to perform and perform these rituals. But then you never know actually if you've got any kind of salvation. You're never actually guaranteed any kind of salvation. It's just, okay. or maybe if you do this, whatever, or maybe if you do this and you're just constantly climbing this ladder and it's impossible, isn't it? Because we're human and we're imperfect and it's impossible to be perfect. Yeah. And uh, did you, so you're on this kind of treadmill really of trying to please God. And how, how did you feel that make, how did that make you feel about God? Um, very indifferent. And I'm also quite frightened. So if you do something, then you're, oh, don't do that because you're going to hell. Oh, don't do that because, you know, you're very, it's What like... were you doing? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I didn't rebel like a lot of people, you know, did. I, I, I was quite like, um, I was quite like simple in my rebellion, I think. Like a lot of people rebel and do other things. Like, I wasn't, didn't really rebel in that I went and got tattoos. Okay, a lot of people do that. Um, you know, I, I went out with my friends, like you do, like, you know okay, I'd have a little drink here and there, but like it wasn't, my rebellion wasn't massive. Like I, I feel yeah. like there's a, often like this, this really like massive thing where people stray and do this and that. And my rebellion wasn't massive, but it was seen as something huge, you know? Like I was just basically doing my own thing. Like I just wanted to 
I just wanted to live my life in, on my terms without, telling, without someone telling me that, oh, you're going to hell for that, or don't do that, oh, God's watching you. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable, and then you become a people pleaser because you don't want to upset anyone. You don't want, and it's, it's, a very, um, it's a very bound way to live. You're bound. You're so like you in chains. Like God was watching you, judging everything you did. And... Yeah, and nothing, nothing was good enough. Nothing was good enough. Oh, if I did this, okay. If I if I have tattoos, I'm going to hell. Okay. If I if I do this, I'm going to hell. There was no like grace. There was no grace of just it's okay. You're you're a human. You make mistakes. It was almost like this this striving to be perfect, and almost like this this image of perfectionism, which is unattainable because we're not God. You know, we cannot be perfect, and we're always going to make mistakes. But it's like living, not being allowed to move forward, but constantly living in your past because you're not allowed to sort of like shake off the things that you've done, even if they're small or they're big or whatever. You're constantly covered in like shame and guilt and oh, you're not good enough or you've not done this. So you're not, you know, you're not academically bright enough. You're not this, you're not that. And it's, it's really, it's draining. You're, you're spiritually, you're, you're in chains. That's, that's the only thing, you know, you're in chains. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I just feel like, you know, I'm trying to sense the spirit today, and I just feel like it's kind of a word for somebody today about the treadmill, the kind of striving. Now, we know that we want to do things, and, you know, we know that, but I, I just want to say the word grace to you, that, that you receive something of grace, and not this, God is watching me, and he's about ready to judge me if I do the one little thing wrong. And so I just wonder if that could be a healing word to, to somebody today. Maybe you're a guest and, you, you know, you've not kept the Ten Commandments. Okay, join the club. So you had this kind of upbringing and you... But being a Muslim is always part of you, though. Yeah. You don't, it's not something that even though you're not practicing, it's not something you go, oh, I'm not that. Yeah. Can you explain that to us? Uh, I think the culture and the religion is very much intertwined. So you are mixed up in this culture, religion, culture, religion. And to separate the two is almost impossible. Um, and yeah, you, you grow up just kind of, I would always identify as, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm practicing or not, I was always identify as a Muslim because that's what I've been taught. And almost to say otherwise, then you're like turning your back on you know, everything you know, you're turning your back on God, you're turning your back on your family. It, it's, it's all the stuff, the like, the stuff that comes with it, the stuff that you don't see that just comes with it, comes along with it. And it's very toxic. It's very toxic. Um, by the way, there's lots of worried Christians in the room right now. <laughs> you, you did become a Christian, didn't I you? I did become a Christian. Yeah, okay, <laughs> just, just, to, just to check. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the journey um, some of the hard times and some of the things why you started questioning mm. staying in a Muslim culture and religion. Why did you start questioning that? Um, so I wouldn't have questioned it had God not been chasing me. Um, but I was running away from any kind of religion, any kind of anything like that was in my eyes would keep you held back and, and bind you and condemn you because I'd had enough of being condemned and, and shamed and, you know, told I'm not good enough. Um, and I was going through something again. I mean, I grew up with a lot of trauma, a lot of just stuff that happened that um, you basically just in that culture or I, the general consensus is that you brush it under the carpet. It's never spoken about. It's never, 
um, talked through. It's never communicated on how did that make you feel? And, you know, let's get some help going on here. No, no, it's just like, all right, it's happened. Let's just brush it under the carpet and never act like it never happened. And that's right. damaging as, 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 as an adult, as a child, it's damaging as you grow up. Because um, then you're taught that emotions are bad. Um, and I grew up with, with that kind of stuff happening and there was a lot of stuff and I can't really go into it because it's, it's, it's inappropriate to sort of discuss um, what happened. But it was, it was traumatic and it was trauma after trauma. Then um, I, in my 20s, I got into a relationship which was abusive, um, not physically, it was sexually abusive, it was emotionally abusive, it was coercive control. And um, I was in my 20s, so I was really young. And um, it, was, it was torture, but I didn't know I was being abused. And then in that same period, I lost my dad. And um, at that point, I just thought, well, what, what is going on? So within that period, I did sort of turn back to what I knew as God. And I was like, right, maybe this is it. Like, maybe God's punishing me because I've not yeah. done something. Maybe God's punishing me because I've done something wrong. Or, right, okay, let me get back into, you know, praying five times a day and trying to fast. And, you know, and, and, and so I did. I tried. I really tried. I would sit there and, like, try and communicate with God. Like, God, I'd go to work and I'd sit on the bus and I'd be like, oh, please, what's happening? Help me. You know, there was nothing. There was, there was no sort of comfort there was nothing I was very isolated I was very alone I'd pray five times a day and nothing and I'm like well this is just not working like what's going on like I'm not getting anything but now in hindsight when I look back on it God Jesus had his hand on my life but I didn't know it at the time so I wouldn't have um I wouldn't have questioned it because I would never ever dare to question going another way that wasn't um Islam. Okay, I, I dabbled with sort of new age or, you know, law of attraction or self-help and manifest this and manifest that. But it's not sustainable because long term, that's not the truth. You know, right. Jesus is the truth. And he tells us that. So, so I didn't know that, though. No one had ever sort of shared with me or anything. Um, and so I, I then went through, um, and then, then, then I met someone who got married, had a child, and I thought, this is it. Like, this is my happily ever after. All that stuff that's happened, like, that's in the past now. It's fine. I can live my life happily, you know, very naively thinking that this is it, you know. Um, and then that didn't work, and I ended up going through a divorce and going through the family courts. And again, I can't say too much about it, but I went through the family courts. And it was really at that point where I was like, I can't believe that I'm going through something so difficult again when I thought like I've done my time like I've done my hard stuff give me a bit of peace like give me a bit of happiness yeah. and all I really wanted was a family and a child and all that stuff and even when I did have my child and things were okay there was something missing um I didn't know what it was and I thought that's it you get full contentment and full fulfillment and having a child and a family but that's not where our fulfillment comes from yes it's a blessing to have children it's a blessing to have family but ultimately our fulfillment comes from God and he can only fill that jigsaw puzzle that piece that's missing nothing else and no one else can fulfill that other than God um and that doesn't mean to say that it's constant it's constant there's a, like you know like it's, yeah. you constantly have to top it up with God and you have to um you can't just sit passively and expect God to to do everything and you just sit back and do nothing that's why it's called a relationship with Jesus, because you have to partner with him to walk with him so that yeah. he can walk with you or carry you or whatever. But it's, it's, a, it's kind of a two-way thing, you know? There's, he asks very little of us, like trust him, choose him, and have faith. There's not much, really, in, in essence, if you, think, yeah. if you really think about it. But it's really hard to do those things. So um, that was, I, I wasn't questioning. I wasn't looking for it. 
Um, and then it was when I, when I went through that difficult time that I'd reached out to a friend who is a really good friend of mine now still, but yeah. I hadn't spoke yet. Well, I was just saying, this friend, I want to meet this friend, <laughs> okay? Because you were kind of at a real rock bottom, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. You mentioned something about coercive control. Just define that for people here, what you mean yeah. by that. Yeah, so, um, so <coughs> it doesn't necessarily look like on the outside it could be the most charming person ever and you think, like, no way, that person's never like that. But if they isolate you from your friends and family, if they criticise you constantly and put you down and nothing's ever good enough, if they're telling you what to do and not in a, not in a loving way, but if they're constantly telling you what to do, um, if they're um, love bombing you initially, so what that means is when you first get to know them, they're lavishing all this love and attention on you and all these promises and how much they love you and all this, and then it starts to change. That's you know, a red flag. And I don't just mean it change in a sense where it's like, okay, you settle into that kind of um, past that honeymoon phase. I mean where it changes and that person changes. It means the mask has fallen off and they're now showing you who they really are. But because it's like that reward system, because you're so desperate to see that person that they were and you think, what did I do? Why is that person being like that? Um, it's trying to get back to that person that they were, but that mask has fallen off. They're not that person. They are the person that they're showing you. Um, and it could be like you know, in a relationship, if you don't want to sleep with someone and they still force you to do that, that's not okay. That's, that's, that's abuse. Yeah, it's not um, okay. And you have to obviously be very careful because it's still early morning. But, you know, yeah. you, you, that's not okay. That's abuse. If they're saying like, oh, no, I'm allowed to do this because I'm this person in your life. I'm this role in your life. No, no, it's not okay. If you're not consenting to something, it's not okay. Um, yeah, so. I think that's a real word to... Well, everybody, particularly maybe some young people, it's not okay. And we need to give each other permission for that. So in a sense, like God's distant mm -hmm. and he's always watching you, judging you. And relationships have kind of fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of seeking, but they're not seeking. And then things get really bad. So what happens? How do you begin your journey to faith? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm fasting social media right now. And, I'm f okay. and actually, I'm fasting right now as well. Yeah. So you were saying earlier about, oh, I was fasting and nothing happened. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know. Um, but how did, you, how did that journey begin? Mm, it's a different kind of fasting, by the way. Just so you know, it's not, it's not the same. It's, it's the, um, you know, obviously, you can fast social media. You can fast food or whatever it is. Yeah. There's nothing to say that you have to fast from sunrise to sunset, and you know, it's, ah, right. it's what you feel God is it's speaking like to you. It's like the Ramadan. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. the ritual of like no food, whatever. And as a child, sort of, you know, going you to find school, that hard. oh, I was like starving and thirsty, and then like, you know, like seven years old going to school and thinking, why can't I eat? Why can't I drink? And then I would because I was so hungry and I can't concentrate at school without food or water. Like I yes. just couldn't do it, and I wasn't. I don't know, it wasn't strong enough, whatever it is, I wasn't... So did you feel more guilty then? Oh, 100%. I would even tell my dad that, like, oh, yeah, 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 I've been fasting, I'm so hungry, but I was... I, 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 but, pretty bad. But, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, it was things, and then that's covered with guilt and shame because you're doing something against, you know, but I was young and I was... Like, I couldn't function, so... You know, there's a verse in Galatians that says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
And sometimes we, we trade our freedom so easily towards people or towards rituals. <laughs> 100%. So, yeah. so, so how did you start the journey? So um, social media. So God uses social media. Yeah. I just have to say, to say yeah, that. Yeah. So there is, God uses everything. Like, yeah, you know, he he's, he's a, um, a multitasking. Is that the word? Like, yeah. I don't know, whatever. But um, I was scrolling just mindlessly, you know, through social media. And um, I came across a friend who I hadn't spoken to in 15 years, but we followed each other. And um, she was singing a worship song. But when I knew her, she was into New Age and tarot and yoga and all this other stuff. And um, now she's a you know, single parent to three children. And I, and I saw her singing this worship song. And I was like, oh, I didn't know she was a Christian and just found it a bit odd. Um, but then I was like, there was something about her that she just looked so like, peaceful, joyful. I don't know what it was. And okay, obviously people can portray that but on, on social media and it's different. But she really is like that. Like she's got the peace of Christ always, no matter what she goes through. Um, and so I, 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 just, I don't know what like sparked me to message her but I did and I just messaged her and I was like oh you know how you doing um how do you get by like you know how are you coping you know you're a single parent and she said oh do you let me FaceTime you later on so she wanted to FaceTime you how long have you not seen her for 15 years so I asked you a couple of weeks ago to text somebody you know I texted one of my friends from school 40 years ago and I thought yeah this is pretty safe he'll never answer and he answered me and said yeah let's meet up I'd love to come to London and meet you and I'm thinking oh you know so and to be careful what you do but I've asked you to text people but this person how do you feel about somebody FaceTiming this will be the next thing we want you to FaceTime people (laughs) you know slightly uncomfortable um I was like oh she could have done a phone call she could just text me but no FaceTime and I was like okay um but I I was open to it but I did feel a bit awkward you know just a bit awkward isn't it just like oh hello and um but she did so she did FaceTime oh yeah she did FaceTime me yeah okay (laughs) she's like I'm gonna ring you at this time I was like okay so she did um and I was sitting outside an appointment that was something to do with the family court and I'm and I was sitting outside and I was like sort of panicking because I had to go in and it was just really complicated and it was really uncomfortable I was like all right fine let me just talk to her and go in and she was like oh Dee what's going on for you and I was just like oh well (laughs) and I I sort of told her a little bit and she was like oh right yeah that must be really difficult and she listened for the first thing I mean she really listened she was listening intently to what I was saying um and I said oh how'd you get by and she went oh by the grace of God what this woman on about like yeah. I was like yeah well, all right, whatever um just <laughs> sorry if you're watching yeah. <laughs> um I was I was just really sort of dismissive and just like okay I just thought it was just a bit odd but I, I, okay and then and then she said oh do you know can I pray for you and I was like all right fine but I I was open because I thought oh, okay pray but it doesn't to me it didn't mean anything but I was right. like all right fine so she did, she prayed for me and she doesn't remember this prayer to the day, like to this day she doesn't remember. She's like, I don't remember what I said, but I remember exactly what she said and it was really, really powerful. Um, and at the time, I just felt a peace come over me, but I didn't know what that was. I just thought, okay, you know, whatever, it's just because I've been talking to someone now. And, um, but she was really encouraging and she prayed for me and I had the peace um, of Christ, which I didn't know at the time. And I went into this appointment and I wasn't panicking. I was calm. I was just like really measured and I was like, oh, this is Okay. Um, she said, oh, let me know how it goes. And so she kept in touch with me after that. And she just kept on sending me little encouraging things. And, you know, she's tried to send me the Bible app. She was like, download this and have a look. And I was like, no, sorry, no, no. And I was like, I can't do that um, because I couldn't go against what, you know, I wasn't picking up my Quran, not that I had one, but like I wasn't picking that up. But I was like, no, I, I refuse. Like I just couldn't because 
going to read the Bible as a Muslim for knowledge and just to, to understand, all right, what do Christians believe? What do Jews believe? What do uh, Muslims be fine, all right. But going to read it to actually get encouragement or to question or to, it's just not okay. <laughs> it's just not okay. So I refused right. to um, download the app because I just thought like, oh, God's going to kill me. Like, that's it. I'm definitely going to hell. Like, I've already been told I'm going to hell, but I'm definitely going to hell now. Like, I can't. Um, so I was resistant. Yeah, so we as Christians find it really strange that somebody would say, God's going to kill me for reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. but, but I guess that helps us understand, you know, where you're coming from because you've been taught all your life mm. that, you know, you can't read the Bible for inspiration. No. And it's fear. There's a, it's a fear. It's not a reverent fear of God. It's just a fear. <laughs> like, I don't know what other people... Maybe other Muslims don't feel that way, but for me, it was just a fear of like, no, 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 it's scary. It's not, there's no love involved. There's no closeness. Um, and so I, I refused. And she just said, oh, okay, well, you know, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready. Um, okay, look, you know, she'll send me like these little sermons that are quite encouraging. But, I was going to say, if you couldn't yeah. read the Bible, then what did she do? She'd send me these little sermons. She's so L- smart, bless her. Little um, sermons. She's very spirit-led. Yeah. <laughs> she's very spirit-led. Um, but she was obviously listening to the Holy Spirit, being like, go get her. Go on, go get her. Um, and so she sent me these sermons, and I was like, okay, and I'd listen to them. And, and, and I, I have to say that there is a place for, a lot of people judge um, the ministries that don't necessarily delve so deep into Scripture, but there is a place for them, because that's how I kind of was coming to faith slowly, like I was being fed and it's like baby food. You start off with baby food. You don't just start with, you know, solid food and give a baby like, oh, here you go, we're at one month old, you give them milk, you know? And so I was being fed milk. I was being fed milk. And, and, and as I sort of... Do you want to send you my sermons, Rashi? <laughs> you know, because that would be a bit... I would be a bit... You'd freak out. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, it's too like, much. Yeah. It's too much. Partly because I was like... In my head, I was like, the Bible's not true. These are all just fake people that they're talking about. So right. I don't want to hear about the stories about this person being broken and whatever. And, you know, this was a million years ago and I don't care. Like, they're not real. Whereas when you talk about someone who, um, oh, God did this for this person, you think, oh, okay, well, that's real. In my head, that's what I was thinking. Like, the Bible was just some massive fairy tale myth. Um, so I wasn't really looking to that for inspiration or comfort or anything. I was looking for something else. So through that ministry, I was being fed milk to grow, to slowly like soften my heart to, to, to later on then being able to be like, right, okay. And now I can listen to that and be like, it's not feeding me anymore because it's not, it's not filling me up anymore because it's not right. solid food. Whereas now I can listen to something that's very scripture-based and very a biblical teaching and I can get a lot more from it. But back then I wouldn't have been able to because it's just... It's really, it's really interesting, isn't it, church, to see that people are on a journey and I wonder if you could have the wisdom and the patience to kind of say, well, okay, I'm, I'm, this may not be all what I think this person needs, but I want to go at their pace and not mine. I don't know whether you ever met those Christians and, you know, they tell you about the end times, prophecy, <laughs> everything, you know, the first time you meet them. But... I think it's really an important truth. And, and bless this, I want to meet this friend. She's amazing. She just she like is walking you through this journey. Yeah. And then 
did she send you testimonies about Muslims being saved yeah, and things like she that? she did. She, then she was like, all right, okay, like I'll still get her. Mm. Bless her, she still walks with me to this day, like she goes through a lot with me. Yeah. Um, and she started sending me like testimonies, oh, Dee, watch this, it's just so encouraging. And I was like, okay. And I just, it, it was, at times it was a lot, but then I would, I was open to it. So I was just, okay, listening. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just the same God. You know, we, we, we worship the same God. And she's like, no. And that's where she was like, no, no, we do not worship the same God. Because often people think that, um, and that's how I, again, I also grew up, oh, yeah, Muslims, Jews, and, and Christians, we worship the same God. It's fine. It's all God. It's all God, but it's not. It's different. It's not the same. Okay. Um, so she was very much in that mindset, no, Dee, it's not the same God. And I was like, yeah, but listen, or whatever. So I, um, I, she was like, listen, you really need to get plugged into a church. And I was like, oh, this, this is just too much. She was like, just go, you know, just go, just to see, whatever. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, and I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. I'd moved area because I'd, I'd, I'd got divorced, had to move back home as an adult with my child. You know, right. it wasn't the greatest um, situation and I didn't know anyone in the area. So I was like, all right, okay, fine. I might as well have like play groups or whatever or just to get to know people. Um, and so I did, I, I, I went to this church and um, they welcomed me and I just thought like weird, smiley Christian people. And I always had this thing like, they're so weird. Like, why are they smiling at me like that? Why are they talking to that? Like, um, I don't think that now because I'm one of them. But, okay. yeah. um, but, you know, like at the time I was like, it's too much. Like, no, in my head, I was so cynical and I still am quite cynical sometimes, but I'm thinking no one can love anyone that much because it's just not possible. Like, People don't do that. People don't just go like and love you because you're you or because, you know, they don't know you. Oh, welcome. Let's come. Let me invite you over. No, people don't do that. I mean, okay, in the body of Christ, they do, but people generally don't do that. Um, so they welcome me. They did. And I did feel love, but I was like, why? What's the catch? Like, what do you want from me? They want nothing. <laughs> so, so if you're here today and this is your first time, welcome. We're all going to smile at you. Uh, we, we only want something for you, um, and it's up to you how you connect with us, and we want you to really connect with us, because I've been using this phrase, family in the city, and it's more than a slogan. It's what we need to become. It's what we are. And so, yeah, all of us happy, smiley Christians, uh, are we weird? I don't think we're weird. Do you? Turn to the person next to you and say, are you weird, really? I don't... <laughs> no, don't do that. Because <laughs> you might put somebody off. <laughs> weird's not a bad thing. Like, weird's, weird's, weird's not, not a bad, bad thing. thing. Like, what's no. normal? There is no normal. Like, weird's not a bad normal. thing, you know? <laughs> so, so you went to church, there were all the smiley Christians, you felt kind of connected, but how did you actually come to Christ? Um, I, I then was just sort of uh, compelled to kind of have a look a little bit more. And then once you start like opening that door, it's a bit hard to close it. Um, so I was like, all right, I just, I just, I just am curious. I'd like to look in and be like, okay, the differences between like the Quran and the Bible. And I, I, I can't sit here and say that I know the Quran from front to back. I, I don't. I know what I was taught and I know like, you know, I, I, I'd memorized verses and I'd memorized this and that, but I didn't, you know, yeah. Um, but then I was like, right, I need to look. Before I make any, I just really need to have a look. I need to see. And, um, and once you do that, it, it was like, it was quite scary because everything that I had known throughout my whole 30 odd years of life, I was now suddenly questioning. And, and now to this day, like it has stripped my identity because my identity now is in Christ. But what does that actually mean? Like, 
And I think born again is born again. You're born again into something completely new. You, I'm learning to like walk and talk and do a life completely differently. Um, yeah. And then often people think like, oh, it's too much. You're too um, sold out for the Lord. Someone told me that one time. You're too sold out for the Lord. You're too on fire for God. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> because if you knew what God had delivered me from, then you'd understand the intensity of my worship. You know, it, it, it's not... People think you've been culted. I think my family thought I was being culted. And um, it's not. But if you knew what God had done yeah. in me and through me and for me, then you would understand why I choose him over everything else. Um, but I was, I, was, so I was questioning. And then um, I was listening to these sermons con continuously. They were in my earphones and I was constantly walking around and listening to them. And, um, you know, they always said the salvation prayer at the end. I would always like, you know, if you want to know Jesus, I'm not pause and like because I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to say the salvation prayer because um, in Islam calling Jesus the son of God is the ultimate blasphemy so they believe in Jesus they believe in him as a prophet but they don't believe in the deity of him so they don't believe he died on a cross for us they believe someone else died on a cross but it potentially was Judas or it was someone else but it wasn't Jesus and it was ultimately what Jesus what they think you just did is like, all right, you go and die for it. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. And that would completely nullify Christianity. And that would completely, um, there would be no Christianity without that truth. Um, and so essentially Jesus would be a hypocrite by pushing someone else like and hiding that he was supposed to be on the cross. Like it, it, it yeah. doesn't match up. So calling Jesus the son of God is the ultimate blasphemy. So every time that they took a salvation prayer, I'd, I'd get really put off and like, I just don't want to, just don't want to know. And then one night, I think God was just obviously working on my heart and I was like, fine. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know it was called the salvation prayer. I didn't know that meant I was saved. I didn't know any of that. All, all I knew was like, it was almost like defiantly like testing God. And I know they always say, never test the Lord your God, but I didn't know that at the time. <coughs> yeah, um, excuse me. I, I didn't know that at the time. So I think God is gracious in that. And, and so I was just like, all right, fine, fine, <laughs> you know, fine, defiantly, like, fine, if you're the real God, or you say who you are, or whoever the real God is, you need to just show me then, because I don't know anymore. Like, I, I give up, I don't know. So fine, I'll say the salvation prayer, but like with gritted teeth, like Jesus is the son of God, I believe in you. And then I was like, all right, cool, fine. And I can't say it was like a, a, a light switch, like when you switch a light on, and it's like, ping, it was more like a dimmer switch. It was like over the course of a few months, probably, I think it was. Um, yeah, because then I got baptized straight. Anyways, so it was like a dimmer switch. It was just like very slow. And I was like, okay. So um, a little while later, I, I'd, um, I hadn't downloaded the Bible app yet. No, sorry. I did download it, but I didn't open it. So I went to the next stage of downloading it, but just never okay. opening it. Okay, download it. <laughs> Don't open it. Don't open it. So I just want to recap a little bit here. So you think reading the Bible is a sin and you pray the sinner's prayer or the salvation prayer through gritted teeth and yet God's still working on you, okay? <laughs> so if you're here today and, you know, you, you're kind of struggling, it's okay. Keep journeying. Is that scripture? He, um, he leaves the 99 for the one. I was running away. Yeah. Like I was running far away and every time I was running, he was just like, come on. He's coming after like, you. Slowly leading me back. Um, so, yeah. So, um, I want to ask you about your dreams mm. and how that worked. Now, we know that you didn't have to have dreams. You would have just got there through this friend, through the church, maybe. And we're not saying there encounters everything. Mm. But tell us about some of the dreams that you had or what happened to... Yeah. 
So I still hadn't picked up the Bible by this point, but I prayed the sinner's prayer and I didn't know what that was. And I just kept on listening to these sermons. And then um, one night I was like, okay, fine, went to sleep. And um, I had a dream. And it wasn't like a dream that you would normally just, you know, you have a dream and oh, oh so weird, I had this dream. It wasn't like that. It was like, oh, I had this dream. And um, it was basically, it was in another country. There was like steps. There was this underground thing, which was quite dark and scary. And then there was this other thing, which was quite bright and like these steps with flowers and people I knew and people I didn't know. And there was this poster following me around like everywhere, like it was about that big. And it was in black font in, in capitals. Um, and it, it, was, it was scripture, but it wasn't the actual verse. It was just like, for example, Matthew or John or whatever and, and, and the chapter and the verse. And it just followed me around everyone. The whole time, like in this dream, I'm like, just like trying to bat it away like an annoying fly. And I'm like, just, oh. and it kept on following me. And it kept on following me. And, and, and I remember it. it was so vivid. And I remember it. And then I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I should probably open the Bible now. But then I'd, I'd sent my friend, and I was curious. I was really curious. I was like, oh. And I kind of knew, I was like, I think that's God speaking. But I wasn't 100% sure because yeah. I didn't know. I hadn't picked up the Bible to know that God speaks to people sometimes through dreams. So, um, I called my friend and I'm like, so I had this really weird dream last night, whatever. She's like, oh my gosh, Dee, the Lord is speaking to you. Hallelujah, praise God. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, like, and that, sometimes it's a little bit off-putting. Like, yeah. I'm that person now, but sometimes it's a bit off-putting. But I was like, oh, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, I, I said, I need to look at the Bible now because I can't, I can't carry on doing this. So I did, and I, and I was obviously plugged into this church at this point. Um, and then I, I went to speak to the pastor and I was like, this happened and I'm freaking out and I don't know what to do. And he was just like, it's fine. Like if God is speaking to you, God is never scared. Like he's encouraging, like, don't be, don't be afraid. Yeah. Like embrace it. This is amazing. God's really talking to you. And I was like, I don't understand. And it still wasn't enough for me to accept that. It's okay. God's not scary. I was scared. Um, and then I looked up the Bible verse and I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so relevant to what I'm going through. And it was like that confirmation of, um, you know, drink, drink, drink whatever from the, I'm really paraphrasing, but drink from any water and you'll thirst again, but drink comes the living water and you'll never thirst again. Um, and, and I was like, oh, okay. So, okay. So that means you want me to, 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 to choose you? I don't know. And, and so I, I panicked um, and then these dreams kept on happening and I kept on getting more scriptures and every time I looked them up and then by this point like I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I'm like opening the Bible up to see what it is and I'm highlighting them and I'm like oh gosh this is so relevant okay he was saying to me like I'm real choose me like it's me so you're having dreams about scriptures you look them up and those scriptures speak to yeah. you yeah yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. and you know it, it like eventually God's going to lead you to his word he, he is. And Kathy always says to me, you know, the best way that God speaks to me, uh, Kathy's talking about her, uh, God speaks to her through the Bible. Mm. And he will move you to the Bible. And mm. um, didn't you just mention the corridor? Like, oh, I didn't tell him about my dream about Jesus. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was a little bit further down the line when I was like walking with the Lord. Little, like, I, I was understanding a little bit more. Um, See, uh, if you came to our nine o'clock service, you didn't get this bit. So yeah. tell us so, about um, that. So this is a little bit further on further into my down. journey. Um, but yeah, I had um, two, dream, two, two dreams where Jesus, I actually saw Jesus in my dream. So um, one, he was all in like royal blue robes, but I couldn't see his face. Like his face was so bright. Like just, it, I knew it was God. Like, and I knew it was Jesus, but he, I couldn't see the face. It was so bright. Like, you know, when you're looking at something and it's really intense. Um, and another one where um, 
And then I'd, I'd realized like after, so I was like, oh, that's like Psalm 23, like lead me by the still waters and the green pastures. And um, it, was, it was Jesus there all in white and um, like saying scripture over me. And like, again, the, the bright white like light, I couldn't really see the face, but I knew it was Jesus. And then it was by like a, 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 like a, like a meadow, like a green, a really lush green meadow and like a stream of water. And I was like, oh, that's Psalm 23, you know? So, um, and that was, and, and it's like that feeling of, Again, it's not something that's not like a normal dream. It's not something I can explain because that feeling is like, I can't, exp- I can't explain it, but it's that feeling of like, you just know, and it's like a, an in awe, like an, an awesome, like, yeah. like an awesome God. And, 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 and yeah, so it was really, really powerful. Um, but I do just want to say that like those encounters are not necessarily, like he's not going to reach everybody that way. And some no. people have really massive radical encounters and, and radical transformations. And I think, for those people, yeah, you know, like someone like me, he, he had to kind of do that for me because otherwise I probably would have been like, no, it's not true. And I would have been stubborn. And, but, you know, he knows our heart. So I think it's instead of, ch- instead of chasing that like spiritual high and that needing that encounter and feeling, because feelings aren't always facts. And it's important to just trust that, like in his word says, like he'll never leave you or forsake you. Like do not be anxious about anything. Like, you know, the, the Lord, he goes before you, he makes your path straight. Like trust in the Lord with all your heart. And like, there's so many promises that I can sit there and just like, just spout off the top of my head because I, I, you know, they're true. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was truth. I didn't know that, oh God really cares. Like every person that we read about in the Bible is a broken person, is not a person who's perfect, a person who's made mistakes. I mean, look at the Psalms and like you look at David and he, he didn't, he wasn't perfect. He made a lot of mistakes, but God used him and he loved the Lord and God knows our hearts. And so it's not always about that chasing that, that high from that encounter. It's about just knowing that God is always there and faithful. And I'm in a dry season at the moment, a really dry season and a really difficult season. And even in that, you know, I've suffered on and off with depression and anxiety pretty much my whole adult life. And just in that, like, I think now is my period of him stripping me back and saying, all right, well, I've done all this for you now. So, you know, I'm real. You know who I am. Here is what I need you to do. And right now I need you to have patience and rest and just trust that I'm there and trust that in the silence, like I'm still working, you know? Um, Yeah. So it's important to kind of remember that. Yeah. Amen, church. Yeah. So I think one of the things I really like about your story, Dee, is it's just real and that we as Christians often want the highlights of, oh man, the dream about the Bible, driving into the Word. But I can hear also a really good friend who didn't, Mm. who just kept going with you. Mm. I mean, I can hear a church community that that, that is looking out for you. Can you tell us a little bit of how this journey's cost you with your family and mm. yeah, massively, all of that? Massively. I mean, yeah. I, have yeah. you been thrown out or? Um, well, I thankfully moved before before that. Um, but, yeah, um, okay. but but yeah, it, it's it's cost everything, and and um, like one one verse I continuously hold on to is uh, Psalm twenty-seven, verse ten is. is your, your father and mother may forsake you, but the Lord will receive you. And um, it, it, it's something I just have to keep holding on to because, yeah, it's cost everything. And, and, it is, and, and Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle. So we don't just go up, you know, like rub the lamp and then like, poof, you get your three wishes. And all right, what do you wish for? Because if I was to wish for what I want, like 
okay, and I can say that and I can pray that and just be like, oh, okay, and then God's like, oh, here you go, here's your thing. It would probably end up in disaster because I'm not God and I'm not perfect and I don't know ultimately what's best for me like in the future. I, I might think I do, you know, but, um, you know, you don't give uh, like a three-year-old that's asking for your car keys. You don't then give them to car, the car keys and sit them in the car and put the key in the ignition and let them drive. You know, they have to grow and learn to drive and... and you don't just sort of do that. That's protecting them. And I think it's the same thing with God. We can ask for something and we can say we want something, but do we always know what, what, what's right for us? Not necessarily. Um, okay. And so it has, it's cost me. Had I known what it would have cost me, would I have still followed initially? Honestly, probably not. I don't know. Probably not. But um, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was Get, that sounds awful because that's like really not glorifying God. But I didn't know what I was getting myself into when right. I chose Christ. But I think that was his grace to lead me in there blind because I once was blind and now I see because had I been my eyes open. Um, yeah, had my eyes been open before I went into it, I probably would have been too scared and been like, no, it's, it's cost too much. But yeah, it's cost me everything. It's cost me everything. On one side, it's battles and on one side, it's blessings. Um, and he's given me, you know, every, everything that I, he's provided for me in a way that I couldn't have provided or I wouldn't have expected that he would have provided. But on the other side of the coin, it's cost me everything. It's cost my family. It's cost, um, you know, like my child as well, because then I'm trying to raise her up in the Lord, you know. So I'm the first one to walk out like that in my family. I'm the first one to sort of say, no, I'm not doing this, to break those generational curses. And, and then it doesn't, it's not just me, it's, it's my child, my child's child, my child, my children's child. It doesn't just land with me. This is not, the story isn't about me. This is about God using me to reach then others, then for my child, for my child's child, for all the generations that to follow, that it breaks those generational curses. Amen. But yeah, it's cost me a lot. That's great. I'm going to... I'm going to worship team to come back, but... Dee, if there's something that you would say to us as a church, isn't this a great story? I know it's a different type of thing. I didn't get my pulpit out and preach, but I kind of want you to hear today. Look, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And There'll be some great blessings. I love that phrase that you said, there are battles and blessings. Mm. There'll be some great blessings of being a Christian. But I wonder today if, if we're the sort of church, the sort of people, and you may have already paid a great cost. I'm sure that many of you have. But I wonder if we could say, well, no matter what, my identity is in you. And I want to pay that cost. Because Dee, in a sense, has given up her, well, not all of your culture, but Most of <laughs> some of your culture. What would it be like if, if you, I'll, I'll use my culture, you know, the English people all turned against me and said, you're not English anymore. It, would I be, would I still follow? What if you... You know, if you're from African heritage and say, well, you can't be African because you're a Christian. What would that mean to you? What would it mean to you if your family said, well, actually, you can't be part of this family anymore? 
what would that mean to you? If they said things like, well, the way that you're raising your children, they're going to end up in hell. What would that mean to you? And I want to say that although Dee isn't perfect and, you know, she's been a Christian three, just over three years, she's now a children's pastor. So I just want to say, bless God for that church. And so, Dee, what would you say to us? Just as a, a kind of closing how would you speak into the life of us? Just nur- nurture that, because it's all well and good getting people saved. We need people to get saved, but it's, it's walking through the fire with them because it's, very, it's a very lonely road. I'll tell you that now. It's not an easy road, and I know God's with me, but physically knowing that there are people praying for you, there are people there to disciple you, to nurture, to ask your questions. I have so many questions still. I'm, I'm by no means perfect. I'm a baby. I'm a baby. So by the fact that I, I, how God's using me to be a children's pastor, I don't know, but it, I'm a baby, so I'm still learning myself as we all are. But it's to nurture that, to disciple people, to protect people, to, to, to physically help out in ways, because some people get thrown out, some people you know, are in um, physical danger from their families, you know, they could potentially get killed and stuff. And it, to, to provide a safety net where people are praying, people are discipling you, people are, you know, trying to teach you the word in, with, with the right doctrines and, you know, nurturing that and then bringing you into family. And, and it's really important to, to walk through them because it is, it's a lonely road. So unless you walk through it, then, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's a day-to-day thing. And I think what God's teaching me in this season is to literally, all I can do is rely on him one day at a time because I'm not promised tomorrow and none of us are, but just to, rely on him one day at a time because I don't need to look to a year ahead. I don't need to look to tomorrow. I just need to look at right now and God's with me and God's provided for me and he will continue to provide even if it's just what you need in that day. So, yeah. Well, I thank God for your friend. I thank God for your church. And I just want to say, if you just come to church and slip in, slip out, then you may be okay but somebody may need you to help them and to disciple them. And I just wonder if there's somebody who you might have given up on. I'm so glad that your friend didn't give up on.